Welcome to Salem First Assembly Podcast. May this week's message by Pastor Brian D. Corkin be a blessing to your life in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be. Good morning. Look at your neighbor and tell them, you look nice today. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. One, one thing, one thing. Let's just, Gianna, you have a birthday tomorrow. So on three, everybody say happy birthday. One, two, three. Happy, happy birthday. birthday. <laughs> Boy, do they grow fast, huh? Well, this morning we are going to take part five on this journey on the life of David. I pray that you um, would enjoy this this time together. I want to challenge you. How many of you have ever had a bad day? One bad day in your life. I see one hand, two hands. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what happens is when we have a bad day, you know what people do? They'll compare it to somebody else and say, look, look at my day here. Look at all that. But look at them over there. You know, they don't have my woes. They don't have my troubles. Well, how about this? How about if you compared your day to someone who had a worse day than you? Do you say, huh, compared to such and such, my day was pretty good. Huh? How many have actually said that along the line and not even realizing it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know you're all out there. When I think of what we're going today, and I think of what David has gone through, we're going to be talking about David's promise. He's the next future king. David's pressured under so much pressure, and it's going to continue and even get more. But David's also protected. And I don't know about you, but when I read this portion of Scripture, we're going to take one chapter today, and when we look at this one chapter, one chapter... It brought me back to the story of Daniel. Daniel was a godly, godly man. And Daniel was a governor. And there was other governors that disliked him. They were jealous of Daniel because he got so much favor. And that king was thought thought about putting Daniel over everything because he was so efficient. He was so good. He was so blessed by God. And so these other governors made a law and made a a decree, and the king signed it, and they said, you can't pray, Daniel, because that's the only thing we can find you're doing wrong. You pray. So they made a law, you can't pray, but what did Daniel do? He prayed anyhow. He prayed anyhow, because it is a greater law. And he was thrown in the lion's pit. I want to share uh, this small little portion of Scripture from Daniel chapter 6. The king doesn't sleep that night comes running to the pit, and this is what he says. He says, Daniel, servant of the living Lord, has your God, whom you serve, and I love this word, continually been able to rescue you from the lions. Daniel answers from the pit, O king, live forever. My God has sent angels, and he has shut the mouth of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his his sight. Nor have I done anything wrong before you, O king. I'm innocent, and God had protected me. I want you to understand that today, as we get into David chapter 19, I want you to understand that God, that God 
is your protection. God's with you. Just like he was with David, God is with you. Now, I know sometimes when troubles come, you don't feel that way. Put your hand up when you don't feel that God's there. Come on, come on. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for being honest. There's times that we're in the boat and the water's coming in the boat and it's filling up. And you say to yourself, God, you said you're going to never leave me nor forsake me, but (laughs) that water's getting a little high. Huh? And sometimes when that water gets a little high, you're like, uh, I don't know. I, I really don't know. But I'm going to tell you something right now. I hope this encourages you today. I hope this really does help you to get beyond what you're seeing, to get beyond that, to see that in the midst of your struggle, in the midst of your problem, in the midst of your hardship, in the midst of your bad reports, in the midst of how you're feeling, God's greater than that moment because he's bringing you to his master moment. God has a greater work being taken place in your life. But before you get there, you must go through the journey. Look at your neighbor and say, the journey. We don't like the journey, but it's how you get to your destination. And sometimes it's hard. So next time you have a bad day, I want you to remind yourself of 1 Samuel chapter 19. Because it's one of those things where... It's a difficult chapter because in one chapter, someone say one chapter. Oh, I'm glad you know it's one chapter. Yeah, 19. Saul is going to try to murder David four times. Now, I want you to ask yourself a question. When was someone out to kill you? Matter of fact, happened to be the king of the nation, full of military people, you know. He wants to kill David. And one chapter, we're going to have four attempts on David's life. Four. You want to talk about a bad season. It gets really tough for David. Wait a minute. David's going through all these problems, and yet he's promised? He's favored of God? I don't get that, Pastor. Here he is, favored of God, and look at all that he's going through. Look at this problem he has in his life. You don't look at your problems and miss the person who's in charge of the problem. Someone say amen. amen. Let's look at this portion of Scripture. Why don't you give me my first slide, please? Let's look at this first portion of Scripture. And the first thing I want to show you is God's agent of intervention for David is done by his best friend, Jonathan. We talked about Jonathan and the friendship between Jonathan and David last week. And I'll tell you what, when God gives you a friend like Jonathan in your life, it is a gift of God. Now, that gift may be seasonal or that gift may be lifelong, but no matter what, Jonathan was there for David, and I 100% believe God gave David Jonathan because Jonathan needed, a, uh, David needed a Jonathan through what he was going through, through the season that he has. Look at verse 1. Saul told his son Jonathan and all the attendants to kill David. But Jonathan was very fond of David and warned him, My father Saul is looking for a chance to kill you. Be on your guard tomorrow morning. Go into, the, go into hiding and stay there. And I will go out and stand with my father in the field where you are. I will speak to him about you and will tell you what I find out. Verse 4. Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Let, it, let not the king do wrong to his servant David. He has not wronged you. 
And what he has done has benefited you greatly. He took his life in his hands when he killed the Philistine. That was Goliath. The Lord won a great victory for all Israel. The Lord won a great victory in all Israel and saw it and were glad. Why then would you do wrong to an innocent man like David by killing him for no reason? Saul listened to Jonathan. It's about the only time he does. And took his oath. As surely as the Lord lives, this is his oath he made before God, David will not be put to death. So Jonathan called David and told him, and the, the whole conversation brought him to Saul, and David was with Saul as before. Now I want you to get a few things here. First of all, I want you to look at this unjust command that comes from King Saul. His, his son Jonathan, very fond of David, no doubt he knew that. And then he says, I want you to go get some men, and I want you to go kill David. I want you to understand the put him between a rock and a hard place. Here is your father, who is also the king, now gives you a command to go kill someone because the king said so, which is also your father. Here is your best friend who you care about, and you know it's wrong. The whole thing is wrong. In the Bible, it talks about authority. There are many people who have problems with authority. They don't like authority, and it's because of their own insecurity that they have authority problems. But God wants us to be hum humble and full of humility and submit ourselves to one another. That's when we grow spiritually, when we truly submit to the authorities. And when you look at the Bible, there is biblical submissions that come from the Bible. Children to parents... Citizens to government, employees to employers, from Christians to Christian leaderships, from wives to their husbands. These are all authorities of submission within Scripture. However, however, when you look at this situation, Jonathan was a man of character. I tell you, he would, I thought in my own ways he would have made a great king. God thought otherwise. But what I was reading is, it brought me to Acts chapter 5. The disciples are preaching the word, and they throw them in prison. God gets them out of prison, and they start preaching the word. Then the disciples go and brought before the Sanhedrin, and the Sanhedrin says this to the disciples. We gave you strict orders not to teach in his name, Jesus' name. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. They were guilty. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than you. Did you see what happened here? So we have to submit ourselves to one another until, until it, there's a higher law. It's God's law. And the disciples right here in Acts chapter 5 are saying, yeah, we're going to submit to you, not unless it goes beyond God's law, God's law, God's word, God's ways are higher than man's. And they simply say, we're going to obey God, not you. Uh, I want you to get this. This is important. Jonathan tells David everything. How do you think Saul, was, was, uh, how do you think Saul felt when he told David everything? I tell you what, Saul is a ticket. He really is. He tells him everything, and then he has a plan. Now, Saul, uh, uh, Jonathan could have said this. You know what, Dad? This is wrong, wrong, wrong. I want nothing to do with it. 
I don't care. You go ahead and do it yourself, but I'm not doing nothing. He could have took that thing, but he didn't, did he? You see, there's a difference between people who know what something is right to do and they step up to the plate and do it. And he, had a, he was very fond of his friend. So what do you think a good friend's going to do? You think he's just going to step back and say, Dad, I'm not going to um, doubt your authority. I'm not going to come against it. Because, you know, when the son goes against the king, all the community knows about it too. And that puts up a lot of mouth going, right? A lot of gossip. So, no, that's not what Jonathan, Jonathan said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. David, this is what he's planning on doing. I'm going to talk with him. I'm going to, here it goes, I'm going to intercede for you, David. True love will intercede for others. If you love someone, you will intercede for them. If you do not love them, you will not intercede for them. Because the things in which we love, we do. That's a good point to say amen. And so when you truly love someone, you will stand up, you will protect, you will do anything because you love that individual. That's exactly what Jonathan is doing for David. He's ready to put his life on the line. He's ready to put his reputation on the line. He's ready to go into battle to save his life. And what does he do? He intercedes. Can I show you this just to remind all of us? Jesus is interceded for us. First Timothy chapter 2, it says this. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Jesus Christ. David needed a mediator in the flesh. Right there. And the first agent that God uses is Jonathan. You're going to see four different agents God uses. He uses Jonathan. Look at this one. Romans 8.34. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also, what's that word say? Interceding for us. Isn't it amazing how Jesus did it and yet he's still doing it? I want you to know right now God is interceding for you. I know you don't think he is. Just like he rose up a Jonathan, God is doing things in your life to help you out in your season. There are different seasons you go through. There are hard, difficult, very difficult, good, wonderful, best seasons we go through. And in every season, God is there. It's up to you whether or not you want to see his hand and know his ways, but God is there. You see, the Bible is full of, of exhortations for you and I to go into intercession and prayer. There are many of you in this congregation who have the spirit of intercession. I can pick you all out because you have a desire to pray. Not only that, but you have a desire to pray for people. That's the gift from the Holy Spirit of intercession. Intercessory prayer is powerful. And in the Bible, it tells us that we are to pray for all authority. First Timothy 2, we are to pray for people who minister the gospel in Philippians 1. We are to pray and intercede for Jerusalem in Psalms 122. We are to pray for our friends, Job 42. We are to pray for those who are unsaved, Romans 10. We are to pray and intercede for the sick, James 5. We are to pray for our enemies, Jeremiah 29. We are to pray and intercede for those who persecute us in Matthew chapter 5. We are to pray and intercede for those who forsake us. What? Yeah, those who forsake you. 2 Timothy chapter 4. We are to pray and intercede for all people. 1 Timothy 2. Intercession is really big. The key is I want you to understand God is interceding for you. 
we read this and we say, oh, oh, that praise the Lord. God rose up an agent like Jonathan, helped David. But what about me, God? I'll tell you what, God's raising up people, raising up situation. And God will step in himself to, to intercede on your behalf. Because God. So what, is, what does Jonathan do? J- Jonathan reminds him of truth. Jonathan reminds him of truth. You know what happens? Saul, because in chapter 18, says he has a jealous eye. So what happens is you and I and all of us are got to deal with it. You have to be careful that you don't look at things so much on, and you only see what you want to see. It, it, you get so focused on what you see, you can't see anything else but what you see. And Saul was that person. All he could see is what he was seeing, what he thought he fed. He thought he fed. He kept feeding the same thoughts, feeding the same thoughts, and he kept on going down the same road. And when we feed the wrong thoughts, we'll always put us on the wrong road. Always. Always. But Jonathan comes and reminds them of something he's not thinking about. Because in Saul's eyes, nothing David does is good. The reality Everything David has done has helped Saul and helped Israel and helped them to become free against the Philistines. So Saul's jealous, insecure eye can only see what he's been feeding his soul on. So Jonathan helps his father to remember the real truth. And this is where he says, Dad, David hasn't wronged you. Dad Do you remember when he put his life on the line for and fought Goliath? Dad, do you remember the the great victory was brought to Israel? Dad, do you remember that even you, even you, remember you were glad of the victory? He remembered him of all of the truth that he forgot about because he has chosen to focus on other things. When you focus on things that are negative and not godly, it will always pave a road, always. I've been down a few roads and I've seen a lot and I can guarantee you your road and bricks you pave are because of how we think and how we put our bricks in. And when you do negative thoughts, you just stay there. And what what Jonathan interceded was to help Saul remember something that he forgot. So the next time your faith was a struggle, the next time your faith was an obstacle, the next time when you feel hurt, I want you to remember when you were here before, when you had an obstacle, what, what did God do for you? How did he work it out? you got to remember those moments that God does some wonderful things. And, and what does Saul says? Saul says, you know what? You're right, son. You're right. I was glad. We did, he did bring a great victory. And I swear to the Lord that I will not kill him. I will not put no harm on him. He makes an oath before God and before Jonathan. And then what does Jonathan do? Jonathan go gets David and says, okay, you're good. Come with me. I want you to get a guy wants to kill you. Someone comes and says, let me bring him to you. You see how David had to trust uh, his friend, Jonathan? Do you trust God when God's asking you to do something that, you know, it's really hard? You see, the problem is we talk a lot about faith. We talk about stepping out. We talk about uh, trusting God. But when it comes down to the nitty gritty and when it's really hard, 
we have a hard time making those decisions. So we have this agent. We have this agent that God used, used his best friend, Jonathan, to intercede for him. Let's look at verse 8 and 10. God protects David in a dangerous situation. Verse 8. Once more, war broke out. And David went out and fought the Philistines. He struck them with such force that they fled from him. But an evil spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he was sitting in his house with his spear in his hand. Yeah, we've seen this scene before. While David was playing the hop, Saul tried to pin him to the wall with his spear. But David eluded him as Saul drove the spear into the wall. That night, David made good his escape. You're David. You're going there to help the king. You are trying to relieve him of his distress. It's like you're going to help somebody. You're there, you're there at you know, maybe 12 o'clock at night, and you're there to help somebody. And that person then yells at you and throws a frying pan at you. Right? How does that make you feel? You're trying to help the person... You're there with the right intentions, and here is now Saul, full of anger, and he wants a pin. You know, I don't know if you can picture this, but pin a person with a spear to the wall. I want to tell you something. Saul was pretty good with a spear. They all were. You name it. They were skilled individuals. And this is the second time now that David had to elude from Saul's anger. What happened? David went out into battle. And then what happened? He had great victory. He crushed the enemy. Woohoo! But what did the people start doing? Let's sing the song. David has killed his 10,000 and Saul his thousands. What do you think it happened to, what happened to Saul when, when he heard the song? Jealousy, anger, insecurity. He then hates David. So when David comes in to play his hop, what does he have in his hand? <laughs> the spear. Listen, if you're having someone trying to get you into a prayer spirit and the other person has a spear in their hand, I don't think it's going to go well. You know? And so all of a sudden, here he's strumming. He's strumming. And all of he's doing is thinking, this is the one in front of me. I just want to pin him to the wall. Nothing would make me more happier to see a new decoration on my wall. And when he threw that spear, his intention was to kill him. Wait a minute. David is favorite of God. Why would a person who's favorite of God want to be killed by another person? Insecurity, jealousy, anything on the dark side. You see, I don't know about you, but write this down. This is something you need to really get in your heart. When you feed on negative thoughts, it will feed your soul and lead your action. When you feed on negative thoughts, it would feed your soul and lead your actions. So when people tell you, eh, don't worry about it, it's only your thoughts, you know, it's not. No, your thoughts become actions. And the more you feed, whatever you feed, and 
Saul kept on feeding hatred and jealousy from his insecurity. You see, God gave him the power, but he didn't want to let it go. God told him, that's it. It's gone. It's, you are no longer going to be king. It's, your dynasty is over. But you see, sometimes we as human beings want to hold on to things. And I have learned the more you hold on to things, the more you lose it. Because you're trying to do it yourself. That's why the best thing in the world is you say, okay, God, I'm yours. I'm not going to hold on to anything. Sometimes in the, in the reality is you got to learn that we don't feed on the negative thoughts because those will feed our soul and what you feed your soul will lead your action. So what do you think? His, his soul full of anger and full of just all negative thoughts, what do you think the evil spirit's going to do? They just love people who are all angry and, and full of hatred and, and jealousy. Oh, oh, yeah, the enemy would love to come in and have a heyday. You invite them right in. Come on in. I'm, I'm doing everything you want me to do. And then we complain. Why is my life the way it is? Well, it's very simple. You can't feed poison to your body and don't expect your body to have some type of result to it. Evil spirits were more than ready to attack Saul because he was so vulnerable. He was so ready. But God protected David. He stepped in. God stepped in and made sure that spear didn't come near him. You know, God will do the same thing for you. I know he's done that in my life. He's done the same thing. He's prevented, uh, prevented me from, from terrible things happening to me. But I will say the same thing for you. You just have to be aware and be thankful for what God has done. The joy of the Lord shall be your strength. It should cause you to really go through life to say, wait a minute. I am not living my life alone. I know in whom I believe. And I am persuaded. Because when we understand that, we will not look at a situation and know that your God is not in control of it. It may be tough as anything. It may be hard as anything. It must be, it will be heart grueling as anything. But your God has promised to be with you. And if he's with you, he's with you. You don't have to fret it. You just have to go through it. It is a storm, but the storm will end and God's sun shall rise. And you will have a greater testimony of his goodness and his greatness. But you got to walk the journey in the midst because you have the promise. And yes, the pressure is going to come. But hallelujah, you got the power of mighty God who will come on the scene and he will help you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. He is yours. But you got to start thinking upon what he thinks on. You got to start feeding on the word of God. You want God? Feed on his word. So many times people want to complain. You have no right to complain if you haven't given God some room to work. Amen. Let's look at verse 11. Number three, God's agent of intervention for David was his wife, Michal. Here's the king's daughter. Tell you, God has such a humorous way of really making the situation even worse sometimes. <laughs> But nevertheless, verse 11, Saul sent men to David's house. This is right after he, le he leaves Saul when he threw the spear. Saul sent men to David's house to watch it and to kill him in the morning. But Michal, David's wife, warned him, if you do not run for your life tonight, tomorrow you will be killed. 
I know some wives have said that to their husbands somewhere along the line. I just don't know what situations they might have brought that up in. But let's move on. So McCall let David down through a window, and he fled and escaped. Then McCall took an idol and laid it on the bed, covering it with a garment and putting some goat's hair on its head. When Saul sent the men to capture David, McCall said, he's ill. Then Saul sent the men back to see David and told him, listen to this. Look at the hatred. Look at this, the disdain he has for David. Bring him up to me in his bed so I may kill him. (laughs) Tell you. But when the men entered, there was an idol in the bed and the head of some goat with at the head some goat's hair. Saul said to McCall, "Why did you deceive me like this and send my enemy away so that he escaped?" And McCall told him, "He said to me, "Let me get away. Why should I kill you?" Now I want you to get this third intervention. God uses his wife. Now, we know there's a couple things inside there about McCall. And McCall here, you can see some character things, and we'll bring that out in a second. But God used the ancient McCall, his wife. And I want you to understand something, too, is that we've been talking about escape the ordinary in our small groups on Wednesday, looking about that we are God's agents. And God will use anybody he can that's available and wants to be used of God. And McCall loved David. I want you to understand the first intercession that took place between Jonathan, the king's son. He had to choose, do I listen to my dad or do I listen, you know, to my heart? What am I going to do here? Am I going to go and protect David or am I going to be obedient to my father? And he chose David. Now here is his daughter. And the daughter has to make the same decision. Am I going to obey the king, obey my father? Or am I going to save my, my husband? And once again, because David has favor and God needed someone to step in, David wasn't planning on leaving. So the Holy Spirit gave her words of wisdom. You better get out of here or you're going to be dead in the morning. David heeded her words and then she took the risk of letting him out the window. I want you to catch this. Whenever you do something right, there's always going to be a risk. There's always going to be a risk to to step into someone's life and to try to make a difference, to try to bring life into a person. There's always going to be a risk. Most people don't want the risk part. Most people don't want the mess part. Most people don't want to get all tangled up in a mess. Problem is, you were a mess when God stepped in. So don't be afraid of stepping into a mess because that's where you get to see God bless. So you see, McCall gets David out, and then she has his plan. And she takes a teraphim. And a teraphim really was, and it has many meanings. And so some saw it as a god. Some saw it as when you looked at it, you thought of a god. Um, nevertheless, it was considered an idol. And what it really was is a statue that had a small platform, kind of skinny, and then came up to like the bust and then the head. So if you were to place it in the bed, you would see the shoulders and the head. You put a little hair on it. Well, I don't know, maybe goat's hair may work for me. I don't know. Put a little hair on it, and, and it could look like someone's in bed. And so that's what she did. And so she deceived the king's men. She was deceiving the king himself. 
She was putting her life on the line for David. I want you to understand something. Love does those type of things. Love does that. And then when they found out that she deceived, Saul said, why did you let my enemy go? Did you see this? You see how he sees David? Only one view. David's an enemy. Is he? When you look through scripture, David is bringing so much success to his kingdomship, to his reign. Victory over the Philistines. Incredible. But can he see that? No. He can't see it. Why? Because he's so focused on just the eyes. Just focus on what they want to see. I see this all the time. People get so fixated and they focus on that one little dot on a big giant wall or one little scratch on this whole giant thing. That's all they see is the scratch. They miss everything else. That's the thing that's really amazing Saul was so focused. He saw her as an enemy, and then she lied again. And you know, she, she, she didn't get in trouble. It was amazing. Now, of course, it gave Saul another reason not to like David. Nevertheless, God intervened. This is the, hard, this is the craziest thing right here is the next one. God intervenes by his spirit on David's behalf. Now, I want you to tell you something. God's always communicating, but the question is, are we listening? I want you to stop for a minute. I'm not going to do anything. I want you to get that. God is talking to you. God is trying to talk to you. But are you listening to what he's trying to say to you? Or are you filling in the gaps of what makes you feel good? Oh, well, Lord, yeah, okay, but. Uh, okay, God, but, 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 Lord, what, what about this? But, yeah, but, 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 if, 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 but, but. Mm, mm. The reality is God is always communicating. The problem is we have to be listening. In this aspect here, the spirit of God becomes the agent that intervenes in a powerful way to get attention of David and the attention of Saul. Look what happens. Pretty, oh. Look what happens. Verse 18. When David had fled and made his escape, he went to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. Then he and Saul, Samuel, went to Naoth and stayed there. Word came to Saul, David is in Naoth and Ramah. So he sent men to, cap- to, captive- to, cap- to-, to capture him. But when they saw a group of prophets prophesying with Samuel standing there as their leader, the Spirit of God came upon Saul's men and they also prophesied. Wow. Saul was told about it and he sent more men and they prophesied too. Saul sent men a third time and they also prophesied. Finally. He said, if you got to do this thing right, I'm going to go myself. He himself left and went to Ramah and went to the great cistern of Succa. And he asked, where is Samuel and David? Over in Naoth of Ramah, they said. So Saul went to Naoth of Ramah, but the Spirit of God came even upon Can you believe that? The Spirit of God even came upon him. And he walked along prophesying until he came to Naoth. Now watch this. He stripped off his robes and also prophesied in Samuel's presence. He lay that way all day and all night. Wow. This is why the people say, is Saul among the prophets? Wow. 
This is powerful. God's trying to speak here. God's trying to speak on, even on Saul's behalf. But there's a problem here. Saul's really not listening. He sends a group of men. They thought prophesying. And after them prophesying, said, yeah, we're not doing this. We're not capturing David. This is a God thing. Next group comes. Yeah, we're not doing this. This is a God thing. Uh-huh. Not touching this. Uh-uh. Dun, dun, dun. Not touching it. The third group comes. Uh-uh. They thought prophesying. Yeah, we're not touching it. The king finally comes. And all of a sudden, he starts prophesying even before he gets there. And before you know it, he starts stripping off his clothes. He's starting to bear himself naked. It's amazing here that after all this takes place, the Spirit of God even falls upon Saul. And he has an encounter with God. And then he strips off his robes and he prophesying in the presence of Samuel. That night... Saul was full of humility. He was stripping off his royal robes because literally that's what God was about to do. God was in the process of taking off his royal robe. He was no longer going to be king of Israel. I want you to bring you back to a, a point because Saul has an expression of deep humility at that moment. And you think, wow, I don't know. If you really experience a power, a moment of power of God's presence, and he, he, you prophesy, and, and you start to hear the right thing, and, and you think you change. You would think? Unfortunately, I, I've seen things in, in the ministry where I've seen people that should have died come back to life again. And on the bed, they were so grateful. And then when they got back in life again, they did terrible acts. And you say, how can a person... Do something that, especially to someone else, in that way, after God had done so much for you. Because people are so quick to forget the goodness and the greatness of God. And their heart becomes focused on just what they want once again. And they never change because they choose not to change. For they choose not to surrender to Almighty God. Samuel 15. Let me bring you back. When Samuel with, with Saul... Verse 27, as Samuel turned to leave, Saul caught hold of the hem of his robe and it tore. Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today. And it has been given to one of your neighbors who is better than you. Here is Saul taken off, willfully taken off his, his outer garments, his royal priesthood. His, his, not royal priesthood, but his, his royal garments, and as a, a point of exactly what God's trying to do. Do you think he would change? Do you think there would be a change? Boy, Saul just gets worse. Nothing changes in Saul. He becomes bitter until the day he died. He wasted his life on bitterness of heart and soul. God's agents of intervention was through a best friend, Jonathan. Then God himself protected David when Saul threw the spear at him. The God's angels of intervention again was through Michal, his wife. And then the Spirit of God steps in with a powerful act, hopefully to reveal this is a God thing here, just like the men, Saul's men recognized it. But Saul, he couldn't recognize because what he kept on feeding was the negative thoughts of his soul, that jealous eye, that envious eye, that Longing for power. 
And whenever we long for power horizontally and not power vertically, we will always lose in life. But I thank God that we have a God who intercedes for us. David has a promise, but he's under so much pressure. But in the process, he's protected. I want to let you know today you have a promise of God. And even though you feel like you're under pressure, I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to encourage you that God is with you. Greater is he that's in you than in the world. And if you just take hold of that one step at a time, God will help you. But if you want to feed the stuff of the soul, the dark side of the soul, if you want to feed that, that's exactly what you're going to get, dark side of the soul. But if you want to feed on life, living in faith every day, God's going to change something. God's going to change on the inside of you. And the best is yet to come because he is with his people. I don't know you online, you today here. First of all, if Jesus is not your savior, he needs to be. Jesus has done so much, so much, and is doing so much right now. He's interceding for you right now. He's on your behalf. He wants you to make it. He wants you to be more than you know you are. He's there, sending, doing, trying to get your attention. He's always speaking, always speaking, but we need to have ears to hear and be tender in heart and a heart of humility. One of the greatest things to say, Jesus, I've sinned. I've done my own thing. And ask Jesus to come into your heart and life. Those online, just ask them, have you sinned? Have you done things wrong? Have you done it your way? Jesus calls out to you today and says, will you come? Ask me to forgive you and I will forgive you and I will give you eternal life. That's what God came for. God loves you so much. But how many of you feed on negative thoughts? How many of you sometimes will focus on your problems more than your solution? How many, just like Saul, you can see God do wonderful acts and provisions and all this, but yet as soon as a problem comes, all you do is go right back to the problem. You go right back to the problem. It's always the problem, never the solution. How many would raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me? Yeah, 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 yeah. The problem is, those that recognize it and willing to do something about it will change the way they think and change the way they live and say, okay, God, no longer am I going to be a playground for the enemy of my soul. No longer am I going to allow the, uh, the enemy of my soul to come in and, and play around with my mind and pray around with my life. I, I, I'm going to take the authority in the name of Jesus and I'm no longer going to feed that junk that feeds my soul because Jesus has made me whole. Someone say amen. Mm. I'll just preach another sermon real quick. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for who you are. And God, I ask right now that you would touch our hearts. Father, let us learn from both of these lives, the life of David, as he continues to stay steady, to continue to walk by faith, even though carrying your promise and yet finding pressure on every side but also seeing your protection, your guidance, your help, your empowerment. Father, I pray that you help us to learn from Saul not to focus on those negative thoughts, not to feed it, not to truly continue to hurt ourselves by just focusing on the things that, that hurt us or focusing on our past. 
But Father, we are delivered from our past. We are delivered from all these things. And so Father, we subject ourselves to you to think on those things that are true, pure, praiseworthy, virtuous. Father, on these things, Father, we will glorify and focus on you. I pray, renew our minds and renew our strength. Father, for we cannot do it, but your power of your spirit can do great things. We lean on you. We look unto you, God. Will you help us? We ask this in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Give God some praise in the house of the Lord. Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in his church, despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 1030 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.